You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, um, we're going to do something that uh, I think is kind of fun. In fact, it may be today and tomorrow. Yes, by the way, and I fully understand most people are going to be too busy and they're not going to listen, but there are going to be, as there have been every single year, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day podcasts. Christmas Day is usually extremely short, you know, cheesy, dumb, whatever, but that is going to be a thing because, you know, it's just just how I roll. But I believe this is going to be a two-parter. What I did, and this took a crazy amount of time, so I hope it's at least a little bit interesting. I wanted to get a good idea of who these playoff teams are, right? Because, I mean, that's just kind of where my focus is. is, is and I, it's upsetting because I hope that's not where the Packers are at. But really, I mean, you get to a point where it's like, you know, you just start thinking playoffs. You just start thinking Super Bowl. And I know the Titans and the, the Bears matter. Big time matter. There was, uh, what is it, Mike Renner, I think, from PFF said something to the effect of the Jaguars and the Bengals have beat as many winning teams as the Packers have. And it just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, we need to just destroy the Titans, you know? Because, okay, yeah, fair. And again, as I've said, almost nobody has faced anybody because most teams are garbage. And, you know, there's nobody out there that's played half of their games of, you know, winning teams but whatever it's also you know part of the issue with that is missing some context because again where teams are overall right now isn't necessarily where they were at the time for example beating the bears recently as we'll talk about because they're going to be a part of this i don't even think i said what we're doing yet super ranty day today apparently which is not good because the time crunch is part of the problem here fortunate well i guess it's not i'm up super early today still the point is there's too much content and I need to try to be concise. But, for example, if you look at the Bears and say, well, the Bears aren't a good team, and so what if you beat them? Now, we'll see how it ends up. you got to understand, since their bye week, they've scored 30 points every single game, as I pointed out, except against the Packers, they scored 25. So 25, when you're playing the Bears, seems like, oh, that's not great for the defense. But are we talking about the Bears that score 20 points a game, or are we talking about the Bears that are scoring 33 points a game, which is their their average, not including the Packer game after their bye? Right? Context. We beat the Falcons. Falcons are a bad team, but at that time, they were the number one offense in football. You remember that? Things change. Things evolve over time. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today, because again, sometimes we all, and I know I do, you get a narrative and you hang on to it because you don't follow these teams hyper closely. And and same with the players. It's there's just way too much information. I talked about how I was wrong about guys like Jeremy Chin, but even think about the Packers. If I wasn't following the Packers super closely, I would still possibly, if I had looked at them early in the season, said the defense is just not good. The offense is good, the defense is not. That's not necessarily the case. Amos has massively improved. Savage has massively improved. The pass rushers have improved. Kenny Clark has improved. Kamal Martin has emerged. And as we'll look at the... uh, Actually, we may not look at it, but I put it on Twitter, so I'll I'll go ahead and say it publicly anyways. I still haven't talked about what we're doing today. 
whatever. One of the things I've looked at for these other teams and the Packers is first half of the season compared to second half of the season compared to the last four games. So we've got half, kind of half, and then quarter of a season just to try to find trends. The Packers offense has stayed consistent at about 30 points a game. The defense has gone, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to look it up because, I, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it, but it's something roughly to the effect of like 28 points in the first half of the season, 27 points a game, down to like 24 points, down to like 20 points a game. 20 points per game, scoring 30 points per game. That's not a bad defense. We're all still stuck. Even Packer fans are still stuck on the first half of the season. They refuse to adjust, refuse to acknowledge the massive shift. And all of these teams are shifting. Every team changes over time. Something is changing. It doesn't. It's it, it, not acknowledging the Packers' defensive improvement is the exact same thing as still thinking the Steelers are the best team in football. They still have an offense scoring 30 points a game. There's no difference between those two things. You have to acknowledge things change. Now, I understand being nervous and saying, well, I don't trust. Okay, fine. And it's possible the Steelers figure their stuff out and win a Super Bowl. I don't know. But still, it makes more sense to acknowledge the more recent reality than the reality at the beginning of the season. That's all I'm saying. But what we are officially doing is going through all the playoff teams, looking at the trends and how they've changed over time. Um, the, The because there's just a way too much information, the two things that I did just to get a general overview, um, basically the two criteria that I tried to do to get a picture is, again, looking at points for and against for first half of the season, second half of the season, and final quarter, and, and I didn't really cement that, so some of the teams are not that way, but they're roughly that way, right? It could be before the bye, after the bye, whatever. Looking for trends in that regard. And then uh, the other thing I did was go over to PFF and just look at, I looked at the players just in the last four weeks. Again, the last quarter of a season worth, what are players doing? Now that that doesn't necessarily have to be things, and and for some of these guys it's not great because, for example, Devontae's like the 24th best wide receiver in the last four weeks because he just hasn't had like that elite game and he's had some lower rated games and it just it kind of throws stuff off and some other guys you'll have a really bad player that had one really good game mixed in and it kind of throws it a little bit I tried to do my best to weed that stuff out and get a proper picture but overall again it's just giving us a different idea of what possibly is is trending right now rather than looking at overall through the season and and sticking with maybe outdated information Um, and then because this is probably going to take a while I'm probably going to be breaking it up into AFC and NFC, doing AFC today, um, which might not be that interesting, but you could also see it as a uh, really long, drawn-out way to look at the Titans, because the Titans are an AFC playoff team. And then tomorrow, if you don't care about the rest of the playoff teams, it's a long, drawn-out way to look at the Packers recently. But, um, you know, just doing the whole save the best for last, I figure we do AFC first. And if we have time to do both, we'll do both if I end up ripping through this really fast and uh, whatever, but I don't think that's going to happen we'll see how it goes we may do both today but that's the plan stan (laughs) um as far as what i regarded as playoff teams i kind of just took some liberties in other words um we don't exactly know who's going to be in the playoffs i basically included everybody that has a shot um and actually that's not true (laughs) i 
I think I included two teams that are, you know, if the season ended, ended today, not in. Because uh, there are several teams I just cut off and said, yeah, I don't think they're going to make it. Uh, the Raiders have a chance, but I kind of just threw them out. The Vikings I threw out. Everybody in the NFC East not named the Washington football team I threw out. I think that just leaves the Bears and the Ravens. And actually, I, I, I also went through and simulated the season as I kind of expected to go to show where they end up and what their rank, their seeding is, all that stuff. I actually have the Ravens taking the Dolphins' spot in the playoffs. So, anyways, it's it's everybody that's currently in the playoffs as well as the Bears and the Ravens. The Bears I have missing the playoffs, but obviously they have a chance of being in, so I included them. Um, also, giant, massive, huge, giant. I really wish I could have thought of one more. It's not that hard, but. Um, Massive thank you to Cole Johnson. Hit me up $10 on Venmo. Happy holidays. Thanks for everything you do. Thank you, Cole. Really appreciate that. And then Mr. Andy Monday jumping in on Patreon. And another massive shout out to Mr. Andy Monday, longtime listener, friend of the podcast, jumping in on Patreon for the $10 per month tier. And he paid up for the year. He says, in short, Almost a thousand podcasts and a thousand miles you've traveled with me and made my days very enjoyable and educational. Andy, I really appreciate that, man. Thanks for sticking in there all this time. Can't tell you how much that means, man. Thank you to everybody that has given some support over the years. I've got people on Patreon that have been here literally for years. Um, My oldest patron, Gary Opelt, has been on here since July 8th, 2018. Several people have been on here since 2018. I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Jeremy, Doug, Billy, Daniel, Kyle, Tim, Eric, uh, Mr. Pin, Casey, Danny, Taj, David, Bill, Mike, Jeff. Since 2018, they've been hanging in there, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So the outpouring of support is absolutely massive. Really do appreciate that. If you'd like to jump in, I've got uh, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Venmo, Cash App, all that stuff I think is in the description. Um, also, just as an FYI, in terms of giving you guys stuff, um, I don't know if you guys skip ads or what, there is a giveaway mixed into one of these ads. I'm giving three of these uh, Iron Jock hoodies away, because I haven't done that in a long time. Only one person has responded, so at this point, he's just getting one, <laughs> and I guess I only have to give one away, I don't know. But as he said, he's shocked he was the only one, because he's like, it seems pretty easy to just get free stuff, and he's right. It's a $7 ho- uh, $70 hoodie. Just sitting here with your name on it, but uh, anyways, it's it's in the ads, so take a minute and listen to it and find out what you got to do and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get started. There isn't really any particular intelligible order here, um, kind of outside of the bubble in, I guess, kind of, but not really. But let's start with the Ravens, because they're technically not in the playoffs, but again, I do expect them to get in the playoffs based on the fact that they've got two layups of a game coming up. And I do expect Miami to lose to the Buffalo Bills, meaning they're going to go 1-1. One and one. The Ravens are going to go 2-0. and oh. The Ravens will win the tiebreaker and boot the Miami Dolphins out. That is my expectation. We'll see what happens. But uh, the Ravens have the Giants and the Bengals coming up. So I think the Ravens will be 11-5 and five in this season. General overall picture of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Good offense. Defense is a little bit inconsistent. Uh, if you look at the trends, it's kind of if... I mean, it, it, Sometimes the trends are a little bit more defined than others. Sometimes, like the Browns, it's not even worth looking at trends, and I kind of just threw that out. The The Ravens, you could kind of say after their bye week, they uh, have not been very good. However, 
So after their bye, they started scoring about 21 points per game for about five weeks and only going 1-4, and four, so obviously that's a problem. Since that time, however, they're 3-0 they're and o scoring 40 points per game. Now, it's only three weeks. It's kind of like the Bears. You know, how much of a fluke is that? But then again, it's the Ravens, so you kind of expect that, but 40 is kind of a lot. So it, it, if I had to guess, you know, it's everything's small sample size with the NFL because there's only like 16 games. There's nothing that happens a lot, really. But it kind of seems like they got their groove back and are a little bit scary again. The defense still very inconsistent, meaning it's hard to get any real trend in there. Sometimes they're real good, sometimes just not good at all. In the last uh, five weeks, they gave up 14, 17, 19, 30, and 42, right? Either they are just completely annihilate a team or they just completely are terrible. Lamar is clearly not what he was in 2019, and a lot of people are saying, well, that's not his fault. There's some issues with injuries and this and that and the other. Either way, it doesn't really matter. I'm not interested in the Lamar debate. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just looking at where things are. If you want to project out why it's happening and whether or not he's going to have a bounce back and still be the MVP again sometime in the future and greatest, that's fine. That's a separate debate. The question is, based on where things are now, what's Lamar doing? He's decent, but not that great. 16th is where he ranks overall right now. If you look at how he's grading out on a week-to-week basis over the last five weeks, in order, it's been average, good, average, great, average. So he's fine. But that real spark, like, I don't know how to contain this guy. He's a freak as a runner and a thrower. It's just not there right now. And again, don't really care what the reason is, just relaying the information. Um, running back, interestingly enough, and, and this is this is very good information. I might as well just tell you right now because it's going to be hard to avoid it. The number one and number two running backs in the NFL the last four weeks, number one, Derrick Henry, number two, Aaron Jones. The only reason I bring that up is because number three is Gus Edwards of the Baltimore Ravens. So Gus Edwards has really been turning it on lately. The bigger issue, and this is why in my mock drafts I always have them taking wide receivers, the wide receivers are not good. Hollywood Brown still is the best wide receiver they have, and he's barely a number two. He's sort of an MVS-type player, right? He's just a speed threat on the outside. They don't have that Devontae Adams, that that possession receiver that's just going to win off the line. Uh, They do have Mark Andrews, though, who's a very good tight end as a weapon. But uh, I think the, the real X factor here is the offensive line, right? If you've got a solid offensive line with Lamar playing well and one of the best running backs and a solid tight end, you can make stuff happen. But overall, the offensive line is not what you would have expected it to be. It's kind of similar to the Steelers where historically they've got some great players, but a lot of those guys are aging and or already gone, and they're kind of struggling to maintain it with injuries and retirement and everything else. So that's, that's kind of an issue right now. Um, interesting, one of the guys, uh, if we switch over to the defense to keep an eye on, is rookie Justin Matabuike. Small sample size, but the last two weeks, he has been absolutely dominant. He's one of the top defensive linemen, if you look at the, over the last four weeks. But again, that's only because the last two weeks, he's been super dominant. Again, small sample size, but it's something to keep an eye on. He doesn't have any sacks, but he has six pressures on only 39 attempts, and he is a very good run defender. Uh, off the edge, kind of just adequate. But the corners are really quite lethal, um, historically, but also recently. Humphrey and Peters, possibly the best corner duo in football, with the exception of possibly the Bills with Tredavious White and Josh Norman, who surprisingly is actually doing quite well right now. Maybe Reed and Griffin in Seattle, which is another kind of crazy thing, what Seattle's doing. Not to get too far ahead, I'm, I'm just giving out way too much information about other teams, but basically Seattle is, has flipped. Um, offense has fallen off, defense is kind of stepping up. So overall... We know Baltimore has weapon, and they've got enough to seriously do some damage with Lamar, with Gus, 
with uh, Andrews, with you know some really solid corners. But I just feel like they've got a lot of holes right now. And really, as we go through this list and look at what some of the other teams have and the way that they're trending, and um, you know when you have a pretty rough offensive line, when you've got bad wide receivers, when your defensive line is really not good with the exception of one kind of fluky rookie defensive tackle, and your linebackers and safeties and, you know, it's just, it's not great. Again, I could see them doing some damage and I can see them winning some games. It's hard to envision them, especially starting from the, the wild card, making a really serious run. And, and again, I think that there's probably going to be a lot of media hype about them because they're, they, they've scored 40 points a game. What did I say? The last three weeks, they're going to win their last two games. They're going to get into the playoffs and they're probably going to score a lot of points because these two teams are terrible. And the media is just going to run with that. They're going to say this is the hottest team in the playoffs right now. Keep an eye out for the Baltimore Ravens, which is technically true. But again, I don't know that they should be anybody's favorite necessarily. Just a thought. Uh, Miami Dolphins, again, they are 9-5, and five, but I do think they fall because of the Bills knocking them out. If they beat the Bills, they're in, I believe. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Uh, biggest issue for Miami, they've got a lethal defense right now, but the offense is really pretty subpar. Uh, they do rank 16th, which isn't the worst, but they have not seen 30 points since November 8th. They are averaging only 20 points per game the last five weeks, and that's simply not going to cut it. Again, they have to beat Buffalo to be in the playoffs, which is not impossible, but at this rate, that's not going to do it. And just in general, even if you get into the playoffs, you're going to get annihilated, scoring 20 points per game. Um, defense, as I said, is is dominant. They're actually ranked number one in the NFL right now. In the last four weeks, they have allowed... 3, 7, and 12. They did allow 33 points when the Chiefs rolled up, which is rough. But uh, in general, I mean, this defense is... I mean, we're talking like single digits allowed. But um, the only reason they're winning games is because of the defense doing that. And again, whenever you get an offense that is um, well beyond competent, let's say, and they can put up 24, 28, 30 points against you, you just... Miami's probably not going to win. It was a valiant effort. They did score quite a few points, but it's just you're way out of your element at that point, and the other team is probably going to win. Why? I feel like I've silenced 700 alarms already. The real big good news, um, if I may be sort of a backhanded buzzkill, um, they have as much potential as anybody in the NFL right now. Um, again, really solid defense. Tua is actually ascending quite a bit. He's still not a top-tier quarterback, but if you just look at the trend, he's trending upwards. Over the last four weeks, he's currently ranked 18th, right between um, Herbert and Daniel Jones, which, you know, again, 18th isn't all that great, but he just got thrown in halfway through the season. He's kind of struggled, and he's he's working his way up. The other good news, they just have a huge pile of picks. They've got two first-round picks, two second-round picks, like two-third. I mean, it's just there's, there's a billion, and the Texans are going to be a top-five pick at this pace. They've also got some promising um, prospects like Salvin Ahmed, who is an undrafted free agent running back, a guy that I was pretty high on. You couple that with a legit lockdown corner, I really think um, they they genuinely, as much as I love Jair, it's hard to argue that Miami doesn't have the number one cornerback in football right now. It's really just, if, if they can improve their offensive line and get some wide receiver weapons, I think, you know, depending on the progression of Tua and, and how good he can be, uh, this is a team that the sky is the limit. But I just don't really feel like they're quite there right now. The offense just doesn't quite have it. Looking at the Colts, and now this is so, again, as I got further down the list, I started really refining detail. 
and so these get a little bit more detailed as we go. But uh, the Colts I have going 12 and 4, fourth seed in the playoffs. Uh, just like everybody else, the first half of the season, second half of the season don't always line up. The Colts offense is marginally getting better, but their defense is slipping pretty badly. Before their bye week, they were scoring 26 points per game and only allowing 19 points per game. With that kind of a winning formula, they went 4 and 2. After their bye week, they started scoring 30 points per game, which is great, but the defense also went up to 25 points per game. So from 19 to 25 points per game, the margin is still in their favor. And they've gone 6-2 and two since then, but again, it's not a great trend. The defense has slipped quite a bit, and they went from, I mean, 19 points per game is dominant, 25 points per game is maybe average. It gets worse, though. Last four weeks, they're still scoring 30 points per game, which is great. The defense is now allowing 28 points per game. So from 19 to 25 to 28. So, I mean, they're still winning, but again, as we get closer to the playoffs, we're trending in the very, very wrong direction. That's the bad news. The good news is this team has got some really great components, especially as you would expect on offense. Uh, Rivers, for example, catches a ton of, he always has. Every He's one of the more hated quarterbacks in forever, probably because the uh, Chargers were such a garbage team, and so he never got the respect he deserved for being a pretty quality quarterback. Maybe not ever, you know, top five caliber, but he's he's consistently been better than guys like Stafford and Cousins and all those guys. I mean, better than them. And we give them credit for at least being better than what people say about them. He is immediately below that top-end tier, like just outside the door behind Brady and Rodgers and Mahomes and all those guys. He has been inconsistent for sure, but since Week 10, he's only had basically one bad game. Twice he's graded out in the 80s. He is 13th overall, which isn't maybe the most elite in the world, but he is putting together a much more consistent and much more dominant season toward the back half of the season than he did in the first half. Talent really isn't an issue with him, consistency is, which again is not a great formula for the playoff. But still, he does not get enough credit. Another really shocking revelation, and probably pointing toward why the Colts offense is trending upward so much, T.Y. Hilton is the fifth best wide receiver in the last four weeks. He's had 348 yards and four touchdowns. He's getting 16.6 yards per reception. Um, One of the somewhat negatives behind him, there's really no help. Michael Pittman is 95th best. But still, you've got a quality quarterback, one of the best wide receivers in football. Maybe the most terrifying thing of all, and this is what I was super scared of a while ago, Jonathan Taylor right now, last four weeks, fourth best running back in the NFL. So we've got the top four. got Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Gus, and now Jonathan Taylor. We always knew Jonathan Taylor could be lethal. Um, I was concerned about that and their offensive line playing the Packers. Obviously, we lost anyways, but Jonathan Taylor was not doing very well at the beginning of the season. Also, the offensive line, nowhere near as dominant as they had been in the past. Not as not as great, you know. But anyways, Jonathan Taylor right now is is full-on beast mode. The good news for everybody not a Colts fan is that the offense is still somewhat of a letdown. Quentin Nelson is still a freak. Braden Smith, I believe their left tackle, is still fantastic. Outside of that, it's probably average at best, which is below what you would expect. I thought the Colts would have maybe the best offensive line in football. They do not. It's not terrible. But again, it's it's the potential. If you could protect your quarterback, if you could really, really just dominate as a run-blocking unit with Jonathan Taylor in full stride, I mean, th- this has the potential to be basically like the Titan. I mean, seriously, and, and, and the Titans will, will get there. Unstoppable. Purely unstoppable offense. This is what the potential of the Colts is. 
Um, again, the issue, though, is the defense, and it's it's slipping pretty rapidly. If you look at their defensive line, it's basically DeForest Buckner, who they went out and paid, and nobody else. Buckner is absolutely a force. He has 15 pressures and five sacks in the last four weeks, but uh, as you very well know, you can't just do it by yourself. You need help. You need kind of a, just a unit working together to be able to uh, to make things work. You'll take it if you got one guy that's just disruptive and blowing stuff up, but that's not good enough, and that's where the Colts are at right now. At linebacker, um, really, really big surprise because I've said consistently Darius Leonard is the best linebacker in football, in my opinion. He's been slipping uh, at least the last four weeks. However, uh, Mr. Bobby Okereke, one of my favorite names in the world to say, uh, has been holding it down. He's, I didn't write it down, and I would look it up if I thought I'd had time. I don't know why. Sometimes you're taking notes, and things take hours and hours and hours, and you get a little bit lazy. It would have been super nice to just, I'm just going to look it up. That's annoying. Why didn't you do that? As I'm taking notes, it's like, ah, he'll just look it up. I got, I, I got no time, man. You got time. I don't have time. You have time. Jerk. Just putting all the work on my plate. I'm kidding. This is a lot more enjoyable than yesterday actually doing the research. Bobby Okarike is 19th overall right now. Um... Not the greatest run defender in the world. That's where Darius Leonard should be coming in. But in terms of coverage and pass rush, he's actually pretty solid. Pass rush doesn't super matter because he hasn't done it all that much. But, you know, he's good when he does. Uh, but basically, he's a, a solid coverage linebacker. Which Darius, one of the reasons I really like him is he's one of the few two-way linebackers. Um, I'm still going to brag on him because I know he's real good. But again, struggling, and he's struggling at the wrong time. Right? This is a team that is going to be in the playoffs. They need everything to come together. The offense is clicking like you wouldn't believe. We just need the defense to not fall apart. And you got your stud star linebacker that is right now, what, 66th? That's no good. I mean, they got Zaire Franklin, who's graded higher than him. That's that's kind of ridiculous. In fact, because I, I didn't look at it at the time, I don't know if he's hurt or what exactly happened, but he was Darius Leonard from week one through week eight. And it does look like he missed a good amount of time um, from... He played weeks one, two, three, four, and then eight. So he was injured in that mix. He has not had a good game since then. His grades were 79, 78, 67, which is low for him, 75, and 80. And that's what you get from him. Just consistently solid every single week. Great linebacker. Since then, 59, 63, 58, 60, 36, 65, and 58. That doesn't make sense. Something is not right with him. He's got some kind of injury or something's going on because that's just, that's not Darius Leonard. But again, Serious issue. And, it, and and again, he's the field general. He's the main guy in the middle of that defense. He is the, the, the driving force, top-end talent. Again, in my opinion, best two-way linebacker in the NFL. He has just fallen off, and the defense has, has followed suit. So that's no bueno, except for everybody not a Colts fan. Corners are, are solid. Kenny Moore, Xavier Rhodes, and TJ Carey, um, not exactly elite players but but you know just three decently solid guys you know imagine having like three chandon sullivans maybe but you know kenny moore's a little bit better just saying like guys that you, you're just you're fine with them being on the field they do their job they're fine uh kenny moore has uh two picks in the last four weeks only Xavier howard has more with three Xavier is the guy i'm referring to when i say best cornerback in the nfl so that's pretty good company to be in and then at safety you got uh, kari willis at strong safety not only is he pretty good, but uh, he's been getting every—he's getting better every single week as the season goes on. He's a second-year player, so that's the kind of progression you want to see. It also gives you confidence that it's real. You know, some of the times you see guys having a couple of good games and you think it's no big deal, but when you got a second-year guy 
who's starting to put it together in the second half of a season, you start to feel like that's kind of a, a legit progression. So uh, Kari Willis is kind of establishing himself as a pretty, pretty solid safety in the league right now. So, you know, again, kind of a recap. When you look at good quarterback, elite wide receiver, elite running back, that's a pretty good combination to be successful. And it's working. And again, they have good pieces on the offensive line. They are now scoring 30 points per game. The, the bigger issue, and it's kind of similar to Baltimore, I guess, they've got some weapons, but they got some weaknesses. And then on defense, it's just more weaknesses than strengths. The, the fact that, I mean, when you don't have great pass rushers, and again, they have one along the defensive line, but when you don't have a very good defensive line and your linebackers are not doing very good job, I mean, it's good to have decent corners, but if they've got to cover for a real long time, I mean, again, there's a reason that teams are trending upward and upward and upward. Um, I mean, they've, they've got a shot at being Super Bowl champions. There's no question about it. It just it just feels like they're missing too many pieces. Unless guys like Darius Leonard can step up, um, I don't think they have any pass rushers on the roster that I would that anybody would anticipate stepping up for any consistent stretch. So I think it's going to continue to be DeForest Buckner just being a, a wrecking ball on his own by himself and then just getting no help. And again, I just when you when you look at the the better teams beyond annoying to me today. When you look at the better teams, it just they're not my pick. Now again, there are some things trending in directions that scare you to death. TY and and uh and Jonathan Taylor. That's that's freaky. But they're just not quite enough. Kinda iffy on the timing here. I think I think we'll take a break now and then we'll come back and we'll do the Browns, the Titans, the Steelers and the Chiefs. Or the Bills and the Chiefs. And then we'll be done. And then tomorrow we'll do NFC. I think that's what we're going to do. There's no way I can do everybody. So, again, as of right now, um, Dolphins, I think, are good but not ready. Ravens are... There's potential, but it's not super encouraging, right? It just seems like they're missing a few too many pieces. They're not as good as they were last year. The one thing that that makes you kind of worry is you know it's in there. You know that that potential's in there, especially Lamar. Lamar's that X factor that if, if things just click at the right time, the guy can just single-handedly wreck everything. Um, Colts, I think, just have too many hindrances, and I don't know. I mean, right now they're kind of peaking. If anything, T.Y. would regress and Jonathan Taylor would regress before I would expect some other guys to just step up. I think there's a blast of, um, of really good things happening. Uh, the other bad thing about the Colts is long-term. The quarterback is adequate, but he's not a long-term option. You have to find somebody that's going to be good, and there's no guarantee you're ever going to find that quarterback. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is going to be on the way out. So you've got some massive hurdles to overcome. You did go out and get a bunch of wide receivers, but again, as of as of late, like Michael Pittman, it hasn't been all that great. So in the long term, it's also not super great for the Colts. Um, I do think their GM has done a good job. I uh, obviously, yesterday talked a lot about Brian Gutekunst. I had one person argue with me about it, which gave me the opportunity to kind of do a little bit of research. So far, I still think Gut is better, but I do want to look at the Colts because I know they've done some really great things recently. So maybe you want to trust them, but again, it's it's not great for the Colts in the short term or the long term, in my opinion. But anyways, we got more teams coming up. Looking at AFC playoff teams. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So obviously the Browns are one of the more shocking teams here. I have them going 12-4 and and the number three seed in the playoffs. That just boggles the mind to even say. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the Browns, it's not even really worth looking at trends because they're so unbelievably volatile on both sides of the ball. You can't really learn anything. They go from scoring 40 points to seven points and then back again, like it's nothing. However, if we skip ahead to, uh, just looking at the players, Baker Mayfield is QB three in the last three weeks. Volatility is a concern. I don't really know that Baker is the issue. Uh, If you look at the beginning of the season, he started the first six games. He had four games that were average or below average out of six. One of those games, he got a 32 overall grade, so that was pretty rough. Since then, he's graded out as average twice, good three times, and elite three times. His lowest grade in the last four weeks was a 72.3, which is good. That was sandwiched in between a 91 and a 92. Baker is playing out of his mind right now. Um, Obviously, not having Odell Beckham isn't the greatest thing in the world for their team, but Jarvis right now is wide receiver five in the last four weeks. Fifth best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Donovan People-Jones and Rashard Higgins are also doing a decent enough job to make it a quality trio. And you add in uh, Austin Hooper, who is a decent tight end option as well. And then you look at their running back, who is the number five running back in the NFL. So they have Uh, One of the better quarterbacks in the NFL in the last four weeks. They have a top five wide receiver. They have a top five running back. Top five quarterback, running back, wide receiver. And I would say possibly the best offensive line in football. Uh, Conklin at tackle is a very good tackle. This is by far the best guard duo in football. Uh, The other two, the other tackle and center, are average but still solid. And, And the only reason they're average is because of their run blocking. They're both fantastic pass blockers. So just dominant offensive line. So you look at that, and I, I know things are volatile, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is a very, very, very scary offense. Very scary offense. And I listen, the Browns are one of those teams I've looked at, by the way, built by John Dorsey, where I said, this roster is so good, this is going to be a very good team. And then they weren't, thanks to Freddie Kitchens. They went out and got the coach that I said that they should hire or that I said I would hire if I was looking for a coach. Yes, I'm going to brag a little bit. When I get stuff right, I do that. It happens. Bottom line is, it's all coming together beautifully. The roster is still a great roster. They just know how to use it now, and this is a absolutely lethal, lethal offense. 
Defense, a little bit more iffy. Defensive line is not very good. Sheldon Richardson is a decent defensive tackle, um, adequate run defender, but that's about it. They really just don't have a good pass rusher at defensive tackle. The best is still Richardson. Uh, he's got one sack and is slightly under 10% pressure rate, which isn't that great. Um, the edge, though, obviously is legit. Miles Garrett is still one of the better ones in the game, but one of the the biggest um, surprises and, and benefits, I guess, for the Browns is the fact that Olivier Vernon, who I thought was just kind of done, I mean, very good football player. He has been for the Browns and for the Giants before that. But when I looked at him earlier on in the season and his overall grade, it looks like he's kind of just done. But the last four weeks, um, he's graded as the ninth best overall pass rush and has been doing a good job against the run and as a pass rusher. He's actually tied for fifth in pressures right now with 17 pressures the last four weeks. Um, at linebacker, you've got the second-year third-round pick, uh, Sion Takitaki. He's been doing a pretty good job. Ninth highest-graded linebacker, fifth highest-graded run defense linebacker. Malcolm Smith is 21st, but uh, kind of doesn't count. That's one of those things where it's really just one good game for a guy that's been garbage all year. But still, having Taki Taki step up when you've got good pass rushers, you've got a legit, uh, at least run defense, linebacker, it's not bad. Then you get to defensive backs, and it gets a little bit more disappointing. The top corner right now is Terrence Mitchell, who's ranked 88th. He has allowed two touchdowns and has a 137.1 passer rating when targeted. Uh, the good news for the Browns is that Denzel Ward is coming back, but even he has been a little bit underwhelming. Safety is also an issue. Uh, Redwine is their top guy at safety. He's ranked 45th. Carl Joseph is ranked 53rd. Andrew Sandejo is ranked 73rd. So bottom line, I mean, this, this is a team that, I mean, if, if certain things could click, this is definitely a, a Super Bowl contending team. The only reason I think they're not is that they're just, it's, it's still the Browns. They're still a team that doesn't have a winning culture. It's a coach that's a, a first-year coach. I just, I, you know, you, you look at you look at all the weapons, and then you see the volatility, and you see a team that's just. It's hard to imagine them putting it together strongly, consistently for long enough to win a Super Bowl. But they clearly have what it takes. They've got deficiencies, but they have what it takes to be the best offense in football. If they could be more consistent, that's not even a question. The defense obviously is is a concern but again getting Denzel Ward back is is solid and then you factor in the the pass rush duo and it's again the defense is going to struggle but it, it could be enough obviously not my favorites but we're, we've crossed over into I don't think they have what it takes to they have what it takes I just don't know if they're going to get it done now moving on to the Titans who I could save for last but uh, let's just do it anyways be a little bit of a preview right now I have the Titans as the number six seed in the AFC going 11 and 5 this is currently, and I know the Packers were as of last week, this is currently the number one offense in football. The Packers, after that lackluster performance against the Panthers, have fallen from first to third behind the Titans and the Chiefs. But um, number one offense in football, and, and to be honest, with the trajectory, it's not even really close. The first half of the year, they were scoring 30 points per game. The second half of the year, they're scoring 34 points per game. The last four weeks, they are scoring 39 points per game. Four weeks almost 40 points per game. The defense is holding pretty steady at about 26 points per game allowed. Um, so again, they, they've always had sort of that winning metric where you know, you're know you scoring more points than you're allowing, but now it's gotten to the point where the offense has just blown way past what the defense is doing. So they're, they're getting better and better on offense. The, uh, the defense is maintaining a subpar status, but still it's good enough. Uh, interesting thing that some people have noticed Basically, the Titans lose if they don't um, if they don't score 30 points, but they score 30 points almost every single week. 
I think there's been five weeks that they have not scored 30 points and they're like three and two or two and three in those games. Something to that effect. I don't remember, but it's it's just it's just a it, it's a ridiculous thing. The Titans shouldn't be this good because any team where you have to score 30 points to win is usually a well below 500 team, right? This it's like a four win team, but they they're scoring 40 points a game. Uh, looking at the players right now, Ryan Tannehill is the number two quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Some of you are probably shocked by that and think that that's stupid, and this is why PFF is dumb, except unless you've been listening to this podcast when I told you last year that Ryan Tannehill, I think he was the highest-graded quarterback in football. Nobody wants to believe it because it's Tannehill, and we want to think that he's garbage and he's trash and he's not very good. He's been one of the best quarterbacks since he got to Tennessee. That has not changed. Again, last four weeks, he is the number two quarterback right now in the NFL. Uh, Corey Davis at wide receiver, third best wide receiver. A.J. Brown, 17th best wide receiver. Two top 20 wide receivers and a number two quarterback. Uh, Tight end doesn't add a ton, at least in terms of receiving ability. Decent blocker and whatnot. Uh, Obviously, Derrick Henry is the number one back in football the last four weeks. When I talk about players, just assume I'm saying last four weeks. I get tired of saying it over and over again. Jones is technically number two, but there's a big gap between them. Aaron Jones is grading at an 86.6 the last four weeks. Henry, 91.2. One of the good things, I guess, for us and everybody else is that the offensive line has been surprisingly subpar. Uh, Their center, Ben Jones, has been the best of the bunch, but you got guys like David Questenberry, who is a tackle that is legitimately one of the worst in football right now. So that's good. Uh... So that's that's what's getting the offense going. I mean, the offense is the offensive line is good enough. You add in a solid blocking tight end, and then really it just comes down to the best group of weapons in football. One of the best quarterbacks, the best running back, and you know second best wide receiver duo behind Minnesota maybe. Just to just to give you a picture, and it's not quite this good, but just just picture Derrick Henry with Aaron Rodgers and the Vikings wide receiver. Again, it's not quite that because, you know, Tannehill isn't exactly Aaron Rodgers and these wide receivers aren't exactly the Vikings wide receivers. But just to give you a, a picture that you could maybe wrap your head around, that's what we're up against when we go against the Titans. On the defensive side of the ball, and again, this is where the, the Titans really are going to struggle and is the biggest reason why if they don't win a Super Bowl um, that they're not going to win a Super Bowl is the defense. Uh, I am a big Isaiah Simmons fan, but unfortunately he has not done very much recently. None of these defensive linemen are getting to the quarterback. Daquan Jones is solid against the run, but only six pressures on 86 attempts, which is terrible. Uh, off the edge, I think the Titans have the worst group of pass rushers in the entire NFL. It's terrible. Uh, the highest graded guy is Jack Crawford, who ranks 61st. In the last four weeks, the highest graded pass rusher they have is a guy that none of us have ever heard of, and he is the 61st best pass rusher in football. He has six pressures on 91 attempts, zero sacks. Harold Landry is close to 10%, only has one sack, but you add in his tackling ability and his coverage ability, and he drops to 83rd overall because he's terrible. By the way, I was a big Harold Landry fan as well, just throwing that out there, so I, I do suck at things sometimes. I, do, I, I did acknowledge the size was going to be an issue. He's a very small guy, but man, he just looked lethal off the edge. I really liked Harold Landry a lot, but swing and a miss. Uh, Linebacker, not much better. David Long, Rashawn Evans ranking 51st and 56th respectively. At corner, it is a solid duo with Malcolm Butler and Ty Smith, um, but it's definitely not Legion of Boom quality, right? They're, They're beatable. Safety is decent with Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard, both top 30 guys, Vaccaro top 20. 
Uh, Vaccaro is a little bit more well-rounded, not elite in any one category, but just kind of solid across the board. Bayard is more of a good, solid, tackling, uh, strong safety that's not great in coverage. Um, bottom line, the defense is terrible. They, they have no ability to bring pressure. The defensive line is horrible. The linebackers don't do anything. The DBs aren't the worst in the world, but they're just going to get pushed around. Um, and so that's what's going to make this game against the Packers so interesting because you've got a legit lethal offense going up against a really terrible defense. And then on the flip side, you have an ascending defense with the Packers. And there's no question about that, but this is an unstoppable unit. So, uh, you know, either team, either fan base coming into this confident is is stupid. It's, uh, you know, we can make whatever we want of it. We can call Packers frauds. We can call Titans frauds. We can do whatever we want. This really is, to be stupid, a clash of the Titans. <laughs> I swear I was going to say that before I realized I was talking about the Titans. Maybe because it's already in the back of my mind, but whatever. But again, in terms of uh, their ability, you know, I think the Titans are a real good potential team to beat the the Chiefs and then and then you know lose. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they they can they can wreck playoff hopes, knock somebody out of the playoffs, and then just lose, and and that would be great. Which realistically, as I said, I have them as the number six seed, meaning if they go on to win, assuming Baltimore is the seven seed and and loses, I guess, there is a chance that the Titans go on to play the Chiefs and win. Then again, they're also the team that, you know, is primed to lose to the Chiefs because their defense just can't stop them. I'm just saying. It's another team that has... It's just hard to imagine a team with a defense this bad winning a Super Bowl. But um, I also would have a hard time believing that they're one and done in the playoffs. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's very, very clear what we're looking at. Um, I, again, I said it on Twitter, but I think it's entirely possible this is the worst offense in football and the best defense in football. They, they are at the very least in the top three in those categories. I didn't really realize how bad the offense was uh, until I looked at the last four weeks. It is, it is so unbelievably bad. So when the uh, when the season started, they were scoring 30 points per game and only allowing 20 points per game. The second half of the season, the defense actually got better, is only allowing 17 points per game, but the offense dropped to 22 points per game. The last four weeks, the defense is now allowing 23 points per game, so they've slipped a bit. The offense is scoring 17 points per game. That's unbelievable. So the defense is still solid. The offense is just pathetic. Let's get specific, though. Big Ben, the last four weeks, is ranked 35th out of 37 quarterbacks. Brandon Allen, Bengals quarterback, if you didn't know, and Cam Newton are the only two ranked lower. Their best wide receiver right now? is Chase Claypool, who's ranking 54th. Danson Juju Smith-Schuster is 96th out of 102 wide receivers, literally one of the worst-rated wide receivers in football the last four weeks in a row. Eric Ebron is coming in at a solid 37th overall. Running back Benny Snell is ranked 45th out of 58 running back. They have literally the worst quarterback, the worst wide receivers, the worst running back, the worst tight end. I mean, not literally, I guess, in each of those categories, but when you look at the group, easily the worst group. Every single weapon is way at the bottom of the barrel. Offensive line, again, you typically think of the Steelers' offensive line as being fairly solid. The tackles are ranked 57th and 68th. Their guard, Matt Feeler, is ranked 43rd. Their best players 
are Mike Pouncey, who's ranked ninth at center. Remember, there's only 32 centers, so he's like top third. And David DeCastro, who's ranked 24th. This offensive line is putrid. Just putrid. I mean, the offensive line is terrible. The quarterback is the worst. The wide receivers are the worst. The tight end is horrible. The running back does nothing. There's nothing good about this offense at all. They have zero chance of going anywhere, anytime, ever. And it's bad because how do you fix this? Who's the young ascending player? I mean, nobody's ascending. Nobody's even playing well. But you need to redo this offensive line because it's old and completely fallen off. You need a brand new quarterback. You don't have one. You need a running back. You don't have one. You need better wide receivers because you don't have one. And Eric Ebron is not a long-term answer to anything. You have to rebuild this offense from the ground up. There is no chance in my mind that they turn this offense around quickly enough to take advantage of this dominant defense. Dominant defenses don't last a long time. What's the longest-running dominant defense you've seen? The Legion of Boom? What was that, three years? Maybe four years? I don't know. But that even that is super rare. Typically, you get a year or two. I mean, good. You can have a good defense for a while, but, like, top-tier elite dominance, like one. Like, you know, the Bears in 2018, the Jaguars in 2017. You get one year, and then you go back to being, like, pretty good. Anyways, looking at the defense, obviously dominant Cam Hayward, top 10 defensive tackle, 22 pressures on 128 attempts, 17%. He's just an absolute freak along the defensive line. Uh, Watt is a freak, currently not in the top 10, but still dominant, 12.5% in uh, pressures, four sacks in four weeks, sixth best run defending edge rusher. So on top of being well above 10%. On top of getting a sack a week, uh, he is one of the best run-defending edge rushers. Um, at uh, linebacker, guys I haven't even heard of, Robert Spillane and Vance Williams are both graded as top 10 linebackers. At corner, Joe Hayden is top 10, seventh overall in coverage, 42 passer rating when targeted. At safety, Edmonds and Minka, they're not exactly killing it, but they're both top 32, meaning both starter quality safeties. The story writes itself. I mean, it's just dominant elite defense. This is a Super Bowl caliber defense all day, every day of the week. At every level, they're a very good unit. The offense is just completely done, cashed out, tanked, nothing. And again, they started the season, the first half of the season, scoring 30 points a game. And and, and part of you says, man, if they could just recapture that magic, they're back in the running and everything's fine. Things have rock bottom so badly. The morale of this offense, and I, and I have a feeling before the offense turns around, the defense is going to turn around, and we're already seeing it. They went from allowing 20 points per game to 17 points per game back up to 23 points per game. I think the defense is starting to get discouraged a bit. Go figure. Brutal. Buffalo Bills headed in a horrifying direction. You want to talk about a team that... that absolutely 100% should be on your radar as a potential Super Bowl champion, the Buffalo Bills. They started the season scoring 25 points per game, and their defense allowed 25 points per game. That's not a good situation to be in. Only scoring 25 points per game isn't that great. Allowing 25 points per game is terrible. Second half of the season, they're scoring 33 points per game. Their defense allows 21 points per game. That's dominant. Last four weeks, their offense has gone up to 34 points per game. Their defense allows 19 points per game. Their offense went from 25 to 33 to 34. Defense 25, 21, 19. We are looking at one of the dominant offenses and dominant defenses down the stretch here. I mean, it it just, again kind of just writes itself. Josh Allen's been a very good quarterback all year. He's currently ranked 7th in the NFL with a borderline elite 
quarterback grade, which, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to go down the line of most important assets that you can have, obviously a strong defense, there's a, there's a good correlation there. Great quarterback, there's a pretty strong correlation there. Um, they've got one of the key pieces. They have a very, very good quarterback. If you look at their wide receivers, you want to talk about one of the best wide receiver duos. How about Stephon Diggs at six and Cole Beasley at nine? Again, we're looking at the last four weeks. Cole Beasley um, never really been an elite prospect, but uh, and it's it's super inconsistent, right? the The reason that he's so good right now is because he's greater. His, his grades the last four weeks: sixty four, eighty eight, sixty four, eighty nine. And and if we go f- if we go back six weeks, this is consistently inconsistent. 60, 80, 84, 64, 88, 64, 89. So average, very good. Average, very good. Average, very good. But that's still pretty good. I mean, it's not like he has one good game and then he's trash. I mean, that's that's scary to be that good that often. I mean, it's not just the last four weeks. On the season, 87 overall grade. Just even on the season. This is his best year ever, which is not surprising when you look at the quality of this offense, that they're getting the absolute best out of him. 32 years old. I mean, great story for an undrafted free agent to be playing this well. Kind of reminiscent of the Patriots, to be honest. You get this guy that... He's a little bit over the hill. He's not the most athletic freak in the world, and and he's a you know short five eight one seventy four white slot guy. And they're just they're just squeezing every ounce of talent they can out of him. It just it feels like the Patriots. But so again, top ten, top tier quarterback. Um, honestly, in the last four weeks, this might be the best duo in football as I'm looking at it. To be completely honest, the uh, Vikings wide receivers are not. Justin Jefferson is seventeenth. I don't know where. Adam Thielen is 39th. So if we're looking at the last four weeks, it's either Tennessee or Buffalo, I think. Again, Corey Davis is third. A.J. Brown is 17th. Stephon Diggs is uh, sixth. Cole Beasley is ninth. I think you have to give it to Buffalo here. Even though Corey Davis is third, um, sixth and ninth is probably better than third and 17th. But either way, again, those are the two top duos in the second, not even the, the last quarter of the season. Uh, not getting a lot from Dawson Knox, 33rd out of 39 tight ends. Not uh, not a super great asset in terms of being a receiver. Not a great blocker. But again, when you've got an elite quarterback and an elite wide receiver duo, it it who cares? At running back, they've got a pretty dominant duo. I mean, it, it's they don't have an elite player necessarily, like Derrick Henry, Eric, Aaron Jones, Gus Edwards, Jonathan Taylor, etc. But Devin Singletary is 10th, and Zach Moss is 20th. So I mean, adequate. Again, it's it's considering what else we have, you can work with this, right? Especially when you look at a run game in general, it's sort of a compliment. You know, can you just do the job I'm asking you to do? Yeah, this duo can get it done. Offensive line, though, is going to be the absolute biggest concern. Um, When we look at the offensive line recently, you've got um, their best player. Well, if we look just at pass, pass blocking, for example, which obviously is very important when you are a passing team, 15th best pass blocking tackle is Daryl Williams. That's fine. But then Deion Dawkins is 37th. If you look at their guards, John Feliciano and Ike Botger are ranked 47th and 53rd as pass blockers. Obviously, that's not very good at all. Neither of them are very good um, run blockers either. And then if you look at their center, Mitch Morse, you've got a guy that is ranked 24th out of 34. Better run blocker than pass blocker, but terrible pass blocker. He's allowed 10 pressures in the last four weeks. I think uh, Elton Jenkins has allowed 12 on the entire season. So that's a concern. Um, Obviously, it's not hindering them all that much. They're still getting it done, but that is obviously very concerning. And, And moving forward, depending on what you look at for their defense, I think offensive line would be a massive, 
asset for this team. Speaking of defense, the uh, defensive line, not all that impressive. The top graded guy is Vernon Butler at 23rd, basically just a run defender. Uh, Six pressures on 76 uh, overall attempts, which is not very good. Quentin Jefferson, also slightly below 10%, better run defender than pass rusher. So they don't have a lot of help along the defensive line. Off the edge, Jerry Hughes, I mean, just an absolute freak. You know, he's not perfect by any stretch. He's ranked 17th overall in the NFL, but just an absolutely dominant pass rusher. And at his age, it's just ridiculous. He is 32 years old, refuses to quit. He has 20 pressures the last... um, the last four weeks on 110 attempts. 20 pressures. He's actually tied for number one in the NFL with Emmanuel Ogba. Only one sack, and that's the thing where nobody's... And that, I don't know. It's just weird because nobody's going to talk about Jerry Hughes. They're going to look at the sacks, and they're going to say the most dominant guy is Hassan Reddick or Dwayne Smoot or Rashawn Gary, TJ Watts, Darius Smith. Those... It's great. I mean, sacks are awesome, and those guys do have a lot of pressures, which is also great. But it's just a travesty when you have a guy like Jerry Hughes and Emmanuel Ogba with one sack apiece, and everyone's like, "These guys aren't doing anything." No, they're they're disrupting the quarterback more than anybody right now. Um, the the real big negative here is that it's Jerry Hughes and nobody, because the only other edge rusher right now is Daryl Johnson. Three pressures on 50 attempts, terrible against the run. And again, you couple that with the defensive line, and it's Jerry Hughes and nobody. And that's really not going to cut it. Um, You can kind of get away with it when Jerry Hughes is playing at this level, just a freakish level. But, you know, even so, the guy does surprisingly drop into coverage a decent amount. He's obviously pretty terrible at that, a uh, 33-year-old defensive end. And as a run defender and, and tackling, it's just, it's not great. Looking at linebacker, Buffalo Bills fans, if you ask them, they'll say they have the best linebacking group in football that never seems to hold up quite well. Matt Milano is not terrible, um, but I would say his biggest asset is as a pass rusher. He doesn't do anything as a run defender. He's not very good in coverage. He has seven pressures, though, on 17 attempts, which, you know, it's a different metric for linebackers than it is for edge rushers, but that's obviously pretty impressive. And just getting seven pressures in four weeks for a linebacker is crazy. They obviously send him a ton. He's got, uh, well, as I said, 17 attempts on the season, or the last four weeks. But otherwise, Tremaine Edmonds, another guy that they love, is ranked 47th, and then A.J. Klein is ranked 49th. So these are not great linebackers. Um, Tremaine Edmonds is a good run defender, but he's terrible in coverage. So, you know, I guess you could say maybe Matt Milano is more the cover guy. Tremaine Edmonds is good against the run, so as a duo, they're fine. But it's just, it's not, they're not that good. People say they're really good. They're not that good. Um, at corner, as I mentioned, possibly the best duo in football right now is Tredavious White and Josh Norman. Tredavious is fourth. Josh Norman is tenth. You do have in um, in Seattle, DJ Reed and Shaquille Griffin are actually tied at eighth right now. So you could argue that's possibly the best. But either way, these two guys are doing a great job. Uh, Josh Norman has been over the hill, but again, just similar to Olivier Vernon, he's finding his stride right now. Tredavious White has been one of the better guys in the league for quite a while. So absolutely killing it. So that helps. Um, that's going to also help your your pass rush. They kind of work in conjunction. It gives them a little bit extra time to get to the quarterback. But again, not having much help up front, meaning teams can basically run all over you at will. And uh, the pass rush isn't generally going to get there. Is going to hurt your corner's ability to hold for very long. But um, again, it, it's it's a massive asset. And it also speaks to probably the ascension, right? When Jerry Hughes is really hitting his stride, your corners are really finding their stride. You've also got Micah Hyde right now, sixth best safety in football. Poyer has not been doing all that well down the stretch. But again, put the pieces together, right? You've got an offense that is very, very good. And you've got a defense that has some massive holes, and that's going to be their undoing if and when they don't win a Super Bowl. 
But again, they've got the pieces that matter. They've got the lockdown corner. They've got a, a bonus lockdown corner at the number two spot. They've got one of the top tier pass rushers right now. They've got a great safety in Micah Hyde. You know, as I've been saying about the Packers, nobody has all the pieces figured out. Nobody has every box checked. I think the more important thing is the important pieces. Do you have that? And again, pass rusher, corner, quarterback, wide receiver. Uh, they don't have a good tackle, but they they check a lot of the boxes, and they're really, really, really good in those areas. Quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback, pass rush, not so much because the unit isn't good. But again, one of the better individuals in football right now. So the the Buffalo Bills are an absolute threat. And and again, when when I look at Miami possibly beating. Uh, the Buffalo Bills to get into the playoffs. It's not impossible from an any given Sunday standpoint, but they're they're not on the same planet right now. The Buffalo Bills are not only a way better team, but they're trending in the direction of being elite. Again, top tier offense and top tier defense going into the playoffs. Fantastic trajectory. Um, easily one of the more scary teams in the NFL right now is the Buffalo Bills. And then finally, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs are actually trending in the wrong direction. The offense and defense are still so disparate that, I mean, they're basically where the Buffalo Bills are. The last four weeks, 29 points on offense, 24 on defense. That's pretty similar to the Buffalo Bills, although it's 34 and 19 for them. But, you know, the problem is they're trending in the wrong direction. The offense in the first half of the season was getting 32 points. Second half, 30 points. Last four, 29. Still very close, but a slow trend down. The defense started the season allowing 19 points. The second half of the season, 25 points. The last four weeks, 24 points. So the offense is basically staying around 30, but trending downward. The defense went from 19 points to 24, which doesn't seem like a big jump, but 19 is an elite defense. 24 is a pretty average defense. They're still a dominant football team. I'm not saying that they're not going to win anything clearly but you know what you want is to be trending in the right direction going into the playoffs and the buffalo bills are trending at a wildly rapid pace in the right direction whereas the chiefs are slowly fading that's all i'm saying but if we look at the team uh pat mahomes top five quarterback and almost people think he should be higher but he is ranked fifth right now he does have an elite grade so it's we're basically splitting hair well he should be better than this he should be better than Tannehill and baker mayfield and aaron Rodgers. okay fine we're talking about the difference between pat mahomes at five and aaron Rodgers at one is 2.8 points 90.0 compared to 92.8 they're all in the same category there's i mean honestly josh allen at seven there's a bigger gap between josh allen two spots behind him than there is between aaron Rodgers five spots in front of him but anyways Pat Mahomes, elite quarterback, has been, always will be, still is in the final stretch of the season. Not even, I don't care about the MVP conversation if he wins or Rodgers. It would be nice for Rodgers just because we know it's in his twilight year. Pat Mahomes has many MVPs in his future. Aaron Rodgers does not. It would be nice to let the old man have it. He's he's the better quarterback right now. I just that's the only reason. Otherwise, who cares? There there there's a pile of elite quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. If Packer fans want to call him an MVP this year, they could do it, and it would not be a problem. It would make it sound a little petty, but it, it would be a reality. Um, Tyreek Hill, dominant wide receiver. Uh, they don't really have a number two option. Again, I don't know why the Packers always get flack for it, and Kansas City doesn't. I mean, granted, they have a, an elite tight end. I understand that, but wide receiver, they don't. It's Tyreek Hill, who is the ninth best wide receiver in football over the last four weeks, and nobody. Mecole Hardman right now is ranked 63rd, Sammy Watkins 74th, Demarcus Robinson 76th. So, I mean, it's it's a great offense with just having that 
great quarterback and great wide receiver. Same thing with Green Bay. They've got a great quarterback and one great wide receiver, and they do just fine. But since we got to complain about it, I'm just asking the question. Can we complain about them, or do they get a pass? We're just rotting Pat Mahomes years away here with only having one of the best wide receivers in football and Tyreek Hill. Shut up. Um, at tight end, not super surprisingly, Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end over the last four weeks. I mean, you probably could have guessed one or two others, but uh, Travis Kelsey, number one, 92 overall grade, absolute free. So that's that's the strength of this team. Everybody understands that. Everybody knows that. Elite quarterback, elite tight end, elite wide receiver mixed with a great coach who has a great scheme, and it's an unstoppable offense. That's what it always has been. Unfortunately, I don't have any good news for you that that's changed. Despite any trends in one direction or the other, this is the core. It stays the core. It's going to be that way for a long time. Looking at running backs, uh, everybody's favorite running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who the media wants to prop up as the greatest in the world because there's just a sickening infatuation with the Chiefs and everything they do has to be brilliant. He is ranked 23rd in the NFL right now, one spot above Jamal Williams. So I want to congratulate them on that. Really great. He's actually ranked 24th overall, 23rd as a runner. Um, I mean, he's fine. He's he's fine. But it's just it's one of those stupid things that drives me nuts where they do nothing, and it just goes quiet. And then they'll have one game where he has like this 40-yard touchdown run, and it's they act as though he does this every time he touches the football. Like, there he is again! It's Clyde Edwards-Alaire! I can't believe the Chiefs got him! This is incredible! How are you going to stop this? All? It's like, dude, he hasn't had a touchdown in three weeks! The guy doesn't do anything! He's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. Let's maybe calm down a bit. But, you know, the media's stupid, so that's what you get. Uh, Offensive line. One of the things that you would consider to be somewhat of a strength is really not been a strength. Uh, Chiefs fans are not a big fan of me drafting offensive linemen, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. If we want to keep this thing stoked up, you got to have a good offensive line. Nothing kills a good offense like letting your offensive line erode. Eric Fisher right now, shockingly, good, great tackle. Ranked 25th overall, one spot ahead of Rick Wagner. After that, you got Mike Remmers, 54th. Really, really pretty poor offensive tackle. Um, At guard, also really quite terrible, uh, Stefan Wisniewski and Nick Allegretti. 34th and and 35th is where they're ranked. Not good. They do have a decent center in Austin Reeder, 7th overall. So, you know, look, they, they get it done with what they have. They're kind of a skull and bones offense. I mean, they, they, there are better offenses in terms of pieces. Um, I would say the pieces are a little bit better in Buffalo than they are in Kansas City in terms of every, you know, offensive line, wide receiver, group, tight end, quarterback, all, the, the whole package. But again, the, the point is the quarterback is so good. The wide receiver is so good. The tight end is so good. The scheme is so good. The, uh, the mentality the fact that they never give up, they never quit, they never take their foot off the gas, all that as a package makes them as lethal as they are. But but I think people get too carried away with assuming that because the Chiefs are so good, we have to hail everything that they are and everything they do. Best offensive line, best this, best that. Their number two wide receiver is very, very good. Sammy Watkins is a great number two. No, he's not. You're just saying that because they're a good football team. It's not true. Flipping over to the defense, um, Obviously, Chris Jones, as we know, is a very good uh, defensive tackle, still very, very good defensive tackle. The unfortunate part for all of us is that Mr. Derek Nadi has really ascended. He's continued to get better and better. Right now, they have the number 7th overall defensive tackle and the number 11th defensive tackle. 
Now, Nadi is not a very good pass rusher, but he is a very, very good run defender. Chris Jones, however, great pass rusher. Now, he hasn't, the numbers aren't exactly where you'd like it to be, but he's grading out as an elite pass rusher. Um, but, you know, 10 pressures on 131 attempts is below 10%. So it, it has to be the fact that he's just getting double teamed like crazy and winning, which, again, the, the biggest problem I have with everybody saying, talking about Kenny Clark and, well, he doesn't have any help. First of all, that's not true. We have pass rushers. Kingsley Kiki's doing a good job. But just look at Chris Jones. Chris Jones has a worse group around him, and it doesn't slow him down. Chris Jones is the expectation. Chris Jones is what he was. Chris Jones and, and Kenny Clark were one and two. Chris Jones hasn't taken his foot off the gas. Kenny has. I'm just saying. So solid defensive line. With again, Chris Jones is just a dominant two-way player, especially as a pass rusher. And now you got Derek Nadi stepping up as a as a great run defender. It's just it's a scary situation. Off the edge, however, and this is another area where people refuse to acknowledge the reality that they don't have good pass rushers because everybody says they do. Their best pass rusher right now is Michael Dana. He has two sacks, which sounds like a lot when you oh, two sacks. It's only been four weeks. That's pretty good. Four total pressures on 48 attempts. Terrible run defender. Then you got Tano Passigno with five pressures, no sacks on 81 attempts. Then you have Frank Clark, who everybody insists is an elite pass rusher. They've been saying that since forever. I said he's not. And by the way, this is the reason why I like PFF. And I know people get tired of me saying it, but it's because I can make declarations that nobody else does. The media said Frank Clark is one of the best young pass rushers in football when he was in Seattle. I looked at what he did and I said, no, he's not. Then he goes to Kansas City and he wasn't very good and nobody wanted to acknowledge it. And of course he had a good stint in the playoffs. So everybody's like, aha, you moron. He is good. See? No, he's not. He wasn't good last year. He wasn't good that good with Seattle. He's not good now. 91st overall pass rusher. He has 10 pressures on 129 attempts. Can't even get to 10%. He only has one sack in the last four weeks. And then Alex Okafor is 99th out of 112 pass rushers, six pressures on 93 attempts. They don't have good pass rushers off the edge. They don't. They haven't. They don't. They don't. Uh, the linebackers, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pushback on this, but they're not good. Damian Wilson, 45th overall. Ben Neiman, 63rd overall. Anthony Hick, Hitchens, 73rd. This is out of 89 linebackers. The linebackers are not good. Cornerbacks, the top guy on the team over the last four weeks has been Legereus Sneed, ranked 21st overall. Bashad Breland, 39th. Uh, Rashad Fenton, 51st. Chavarius Ward, 63rd. Not a very good group. Again, Legereus Sneed, fine, but also he's not their starting cornerback. That would be, um, I mean, it's their number three. It's like Chandon basically having a good stretch the last four weeks, coming in at 21st. It's not that impressive. Then when you look at safety, uh, Tyron Matthew has been quite solid. Uh, he is the 11th best safety in football right now. Real just solid across the board. Coverage, tackling, pass rush, um, run defense, you name it, he does it. Uh, Daniel Sorensen is horrible, 68th overall. And then Juan Thornhill, their, uh, I don't know if he's a rookie or second-year guy, I can't remember, 91st overall. Again, the Chiefs drafting, ever since, uh, what's his name left, been pretty bad. So... Chiefs overall, and, and again, I can't, this is the same thing they were last year. They don't have a lot of pieces on offense except for their elite pieces, although they do have a much worse offensive line now than they did last year. You look at their defense, and it's like a couple pieces and nothing. Right, Tyron Matthew, a good player on the defensive line, you know, maybe like a corner that's okay. They shouldn't be as good as they are, but they are. So I don't know what to say about the Chiefs. If, if I were to just look at them overall, I'd be like, yeah, they're not going to go anywhere. 
Their roster from top to bottom is not that good, but they're the most dominant team in football. It just, you know, I I know they pulled it off last year. I just have my doubts. And and they, they play with fire too much. They really do. Their games are way too close, way too often. They're, even in the playoffs last year, they got annihilated. Annihilated. You want to talk about a bad defense? What was it, like two times or was it three times? They uh, they just got annihilated in the in the playoffs and then came back and won. You just, you know, one of these times you mess around and you're going to get bit. You can't come back every single time. And, and again, the defense is just, it's not good enough. And again, you look at the trends, the, the defense, they do a decent enough job. And I know overall for the season, they're ranked fairly high, but they're trending in the wrong direction. Again, the last half of the season, allowing 25 points a game, the last quarter, 24 points a game. And so right now, the last four weeks, they're sitting at 29 points scored, 24 allowed. It's obviously still in their favor, but it's not anywhere near some of the other teams in the league. The Saints are better. The Packers are better. The Bills are better. You could maybe argue the Seahawks are better if you look at how dominant their defense has been. Titans are better. You could argue Washington is better right now. I mean, just in terms of margin. Washington, and this is for tomorrow, but Washington, 26 points scored, 17 allowed. So, you know, it just... I understand picking them as the favorite because they're just, they're such a good team. And I think a lot of that comes down to Andy Reid taking what they have and just making it as good as it is. But there's just, there's too many holes. And again, they, they play with fire too much. If they win, am I going to be shocked? No. If they lose, am I going to be shocked? Absolutely not. Again, I mean, the, the, the Saints game, 29 to 32, they won. The Dolphins, 27 to 33, that's a little too close. The Broncos, 16 to 22. Really? The Buccaneers, 24 to 27. Really? The Raiders, 31 to 35. The Panthers, 31 to 33. They won all those games. They could have lost all those games. They could have lost to the Panthers, the Raiders, the Buccaneers, the Broncos, the Dolphins, and the Saints. And again, this is where it gets annoying where the Packers get a bad rap and the Chiefs don't. And I was talking to a couple people about it uh, yesterday. You know, the, the, the Chiefs play bad in the first half and come back and win. The Packers dominate the first half and and almost lose. It's the exact same thing. Both teams play a great half and a real bad half, but find a way to win. But the Chiefs look like heroes because they have these giant triumphant comebacks at the end and everybody remembers these great this this great surge of brilliance from Pat Mahomes to come back and win and everyone's like, "Oh, the Chiefs are amazing." The Packers everybody remembers almost losing at the at the just a complete collapse and almost losing and, and, and barely hanging on to a victory. So it's again it's the same exact thing happening, but one just looks like a triumphant victory and one looks like a near miss failure. There's no difference. A first half team and a second half team that both win these games. But again, these are all one score games with some bad teams. They only scored twenty two points against the Broncos. Broncos are trash. Their defense is not good. The only reason they didn't lose to the Broncos is because the Broncos managed 16 points. So again, I mean, they're, they're winning. They haven't lost since week five. They've only lost one game this year. But I mean, that's the, the you want to talk about one of the biggest differences, and we'll end with this. They blew people out the first half of the year. They're not blowing anybody out anymore. They beat the Texans 34 to 20. They beat the Ravens 34 to 20. They beat the Patriots 26 to 10. They beat the Bills 26-17. They beat Denver 43 to 16. They beat the Jets 35 to 9. Since then, again, 33-31, uh, 35-31, 27-24, 22-16, 33-27, 32-29. Every single one of these games is close. Every single one of their wins since week nine has been a one-score win. And they've played the Panthers, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Dolphins, and the Saints with a broke-down breeze. They haven't played very many good teams. 
and they're barely winning. I'm just saying. I know. I I acknowledge they're good. They're they're playing too close to the sun for me. I, and there's so much talent coming their way. There's so many freight trains coming their way. The Tennessee Titans are a freight train. The Buffalo Bills are a freight train. The Baltimore Ravens, you know, if they if they hit the right stride, can be a freight train. The the Colts with one of the most dominant running backs, with T.Y. Hilton as one of the best wide receivers. I mean, that's a potential freight train. The Browns, are you kidding me? Best offensive line in football. One of the best quarterbacks right now in football. Grading out higher than than uh, than Pat Mahomes the last four weeks. Great wide receiver. One of the best pass rushers in football. They've got some deficiencies, but you're telling me the Cleveland Browns don't have what it takes to beat the Chiefs? Yes, they do. They've got weapons that will absolutely steamroll the Chiefs. Do I think they will? No, I would take the Chiefs in that game just because I trust their ability to find ways to win games. But I'm just saying the talent level on these teams is frightening for everybody. I don't want to play any of these teams either. By the way, when you start talking about the Super Bowl, the uh, the Saints are a freight train. The Packers are a freight train. The Buccaneers, the Rams, flipping Washington. <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating on a couple of these, but but it's 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 the real deal, man. Playoffs are no joke. But anyways, hopefully this was somewhat informative. Um, it kind of made me more scared than I was before, seeing some of these teams really start to come together down the stretch. But um, it's good to be be up on things and to get excited about the playoffs, which are just right around the corner. Again, it was a little bit of an intro on the Tennessee Titans, and the plan for tomorrow will be to do this exact same thing, looking at the NFC, finishing off with the Green Bay Packers. And, and although some of the things are probably going to annoy you, like Devontae is not rated very highly the last four weeks, Jair, not very high the last four weeks. Um, again, some of it you take with a grain of salt. Other things you understand, you know, one bad game here kind of throws everything off. Um, but there's a lot of really, really encouraging thing about things about the Packers in that when you summarize this and you look at who are the teams that are just headed in the exact right direction, the Packers are on that list. No question. No question. So it'll be fun tomorrow. We'll do the exact same thing. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.